Hi, I'm Ellie McGuire, and this is Shaking the Bushes. I have stories about living in the biggest city in the world, New York City, and in the smallest state in the country, Rhode Island. I can tell you about spending two and a half weeks with a former president and first lady and about how my dog had a pivotal part in me actually holding a real live Oscar. And I have questions too like, what's up with all these bunnies in my backyard here in Warwick? Or as my New York City friends would say, what's a backyard? I grew up in Warwick, left to see the world, and then came back home. What's more Rhode Island than that? I hope you enjoy Shaking the Bushes. So let me ask you a crazy question. When you open your door and walk outside, does the street where you live make you smile? Mine does. Whenever I walk out of the building I live in in New York City, I feel alive, like I'm on the set of a movie. It's one of the few streets in the city lined with trees, And during the holidays, each building decorates their trees with twinkling white lights. It's so picturesque that tourists can't resist stopping at the top of the street and snapping pictures of the Courier and Ives-like scene. Even after living on my street for 20 years, I am guilty of doing that, acting like a tourist and taking pictures of my street every year during the holidays. Our annual Christmas picture, taken before the pandemic, was on my street. Ron, our pup Schmitty the Weather Dog, and I walked across the crosswalk in holiday attire, just like the Abbey Road album cover. Oh yeah, for all you listeners under the age of 50, Abbey Road was a vinyl record inside an album cover recorded by a group called The Beatles. But I digress. By the way, I posted that holiday picture on my podcast page at elliemaguire.com. It's one of my favorite holiday cards, if I do say so myself. And unlike Marty Scorsese or Greta Gerwig, we did not have a budget to stop traffic. We had to run out during every red light to try and get a quick shot. It was kind of like James Corden's Crosswalk the Musical, but without the music, just with a really cute dog. Did I mention I love my New York City street? In the morning when I go out for a run in Central Park, I serpentine around doormen hosing down their sidewalks outside their buildings, waving and saying hello as I walk by. In the evening when I take my four-pound pooches for a walk, who, by the way, are always dressed in weather-appropriate outfits, you know, matching raincoats, T-shirts, sweaters, you get the picture. Anyway, I get such a kick out of walking by this very she-she restaurant on my street, checking out the sidewalk diners with their fabulous attire, darling, and sipping champagne under the trees and twinkling lights in the shabby, chic design sheds left over from the pandemic. Many will even let out a giggle and point to my well-dressed pooches as we stroll by. As my BFF son once told her, my friend Bob said it's the best street in New York City. Bob? Yes, Bob. As in Bob, Robert De Niro. So I feel very blessed. As I mentioned in my last podcast about small spaces, yes, there will be a test. I live in a cozy apartment, but when I walk outside, I feel like the world is my oyster. The world is my oyster? Did you know that came from Shakespeare? The oyster is a metaphor for life, that you can do anything you wish or go anywhere you want in life. Again, I digress, which I like to do a lot.
Back to my street. Some people like to check out license plates, where they're from. I have fun checking out people. Again, like I mentioned in previous podcasts, there is a plethora of famous people who live on my block. But I also love checking out the regular folks, the neighborhood characters too, like the Asian lady who pushes a baby carriage in Central Park most mornings with three little white dogs peeking out, all wearing matching New York Yankee visors, (laughs) or the man who feeds home-cooked chicken to all the dogs walking by on the Central Park promenade every day, and he doesn't even own a dog. Or my new friend, Barbara. I met her during the pandemic. She was sitting on a park bench just inside the entrance of Central Park with her famous Irish artist husband, Brian Doherty, who has since passed. Barbara was a professor of art history at Bernard College, and she has a pup named Kitty. How could you not fall in love with someone who calls their dog Kitty? I was not aware of their art world status or that they lived on my street, but seeing them in their well-worn Woodstock-style clothing, hospital masks and garden gloves in place of surgical gloves, and Miss Kitty sitting between them, I just had to take their picture. That was the icebreaker. Not like I need an icebreaker. <laughs> anyway, on another day, when Barbara, Brian, and Kitty attempted to walk across Central Park West during the Black Lives Matter protest, I ran up and volunteered to help. I gave each one of them my arms to hold on to. Needless to say, Barbara and I have been friends ever since. Kitty the dog, too. The picture I took of them, two nonagenarians and their papillon pup sitting in the sun in Central Park with their pandemic accoutrements, was one of my finest. Very American Gothic. I hate to be a broken record, but you can see this picture on my website, too. I humbly think Anna Leibovitz would be totally jealous. (laughs) People think New York is such a cold place, but it's not. I don't ever remember a time when I stopped and asked for directions and someone said, no. Of course, it's a numbers game. There are over 8 million humans squished into New York's five boroughs, with roughly 64% of them living in the boroughs of Manhattan. You just have to be aware of your surroundings to watch out for the bad apples. But in my parallel life, It's not so different living in the smallest state in the Union either. I have many fascinating encounters there, too. Walking my pups in my Warwick neighborhood, I meet lots of interesting people. That is, when there are people outside. It's usually people walking their dogs. I think the rest of the folks and their kids are inside playing video games. Don't get me started. Don't they know movement is medicine? Okay, okay, I'll get off my high horse for now. But come on. When I was a kid in that very same neighborhood, we'd play outside all the time. If you were stuck inside, you were either sick or being punished. We played wiffle ball and kicked the can in the summer, football, touch of course, in the fall, skating and snowball fights in the winter, and no parents were hovering close by. We just had to be in before the streetlights came on. Dem were the good old days. Oh no, did I just digress again? (laughs) (laughs) But just like in New York, Rhode Island definitely has its share of interesting characters, but not as many celebrities. Again, it's a numbers game. I did get to ask actor Mickey Rooney a question, I think about his horse, or was that John Davidson, at the Warwick Musical Theater. Okay, show of hands, who remembers the Warwick Musical Theater? It was an amazing experience, a show in the round. My mom took me every Friday night in the summer. So as a kid, I got to watch actors act and singers sing. 
It was heaven. I remember one time the lead actor ran up the aisle during one of the shows and I was sitting on the aisle. Like I said, it was a theater in the round. They had no way to exit but up the aisles. Anyway, this renowned actor reached over and touched my cheek. His name was Ray Milland. I was around eight. Didn't know him from Adam. My mom was a big fan. That night he was playing Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady in the round. Needless to say, I did not wash that cheek for a whole week. Unlike walking down my street in Manhattan and bumping into Tony Shalhoub or Kevin Bacon and Kira Sidgwick, celebrities are not as plentiful in Rhode Island. But wait, I just remembered another celebrity sighting when I was probably six or seven. I was sitting on the grass on the incline surrounding the ninth hole at the Warwick Country Club overlooking Narragansett Bay. To this day, it is one of the prettiest holes I have ever played. And yes, I do play golf. Along with a few other members, including my mom, we were waiting for the very famous comedian at the time, Bob Hope, to chip up onto the green. Sidebar, he had just appeared at the Warwick Musical Theater and, like a lot of stars, would come to play golf at the Warwick Country Club the next day, since it was probably one of the most gorgeous golf clubs around, sitting right on Narragansett Bay. But I already said that. Anyway, just as Mr. Hope's ball landed on the green, I felt this sharp pain on my finger of the hand I was leaning on, sitting on the grassy knoll. I looked down, and there was a yellow jacket on my hand who had just stung me. Man, did that hurt. My mom, who was also a nurse, ran me into the clubhouse to tend to my excruciating pain, which was almost as unbearable as not being able to meet Bob Hope after he finished the ninth hole. Again, celebrities in Rhode Island were not as plentiful, but when they were in town, it was certainly memorable. Another memorable moment, nice segue, Ellie, was the very first Survivor TV show. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand if you remembered it, but you are allowed to look very perplexed as to the next rabbit hole I'm about to take you down. (laughs) But hang in there. It was the year 2000 when the very first Survivor reality TV show aired, and the winner was a guy named Richard Hatch. He won a million flipping dollars, and he was from Little Rhodey, from Newport, Rhode Island, I believe. And you might recall, he liked to strut around on the show naked. Uh, Okay, and what does that have to do with anything, you ask? Well... Back in the late 90s, Ron and I had written a TV show called For Goodness Sake. Ron and I were to be the hosts, of course, and the premise was pretty simple, to highlight good news stories. During every show, the plan was to have a high-profile guest tell us about their charity. So instead of celebrities going on talk shows to plug their latest movie or TV show or book, they would come on our show to talk about and build awareness for their charity. And at the end of each show, we would give this celebrity or high-profile person a sizable check to go towards their good cause. Ron and I thought it would be a win-win for everyone and hopefully very entertaining as well. But here was a bit of a bugaboo. The production company who came on board to work with us and help us sell the show, their studios were all the way in Eugene, Oregon. I must have written a hundred letters to celebrities, seriously, a hundred, to get someone to go all the way to Eugene, Oregon to tape our pilot. I even wrote Barbara Bush, who sent back a very nice no. Who knew that years later, I would get to talk to her in person about her no. But guess who said yes? Yup, Richard Hatch. So we flew Richard and a friend all the way to Eugene, Oregon to tape our for goodness sake pilot. Ron and I yacked around the piano. Then we interviewed Richard. 
and asked him questions about his charity. And at the end of the show, we gave him a $25,000 check for his charity, Horizon Bound. But wait, we didn't just hand Richard this check. Nay, nay. Instead, at the end of the show, while Richard and I looked on, Ron walked on stage carrying a larger-than-life check, like the kind they hand over to winners in a lottery. But the fun part? Ron was wearing just a pair of shorts, so when he carried this big check out, it covered his shorts, and all you could see was his skinny little naked legs and shirtless torso. (laughs) It looked like Ron was naked. Well, Richard lost it. It was hysterical. And if you don't believe me, check out the picture of Ron faking nakedness. Nakedness? Also on my da-da-da-da-da-da elliemaguire.com podcast page. Hysterical. Can you imagine if there was a TikTok back then? Naked Ron would have gone completely viral. Hmm, but on second thoughts, maybe that was a good thing that there wasn't a TikTok. But wait, the plot thickens. I'm not telling any tales out of school since it was all over the news and internet. But you might have heard that Richard Hatch eventually got into hot water over not paying taxes on his survivor winnings. That said, years later, after the taping of our pilot, I got an official call from some very serious government agency subpoenaing me. Subpoenaing? Is that even a verb? Anyway, I got subpoenaed to appear in Providence Federal Court to testify against Mr. Hatch regarding his tax evasion trial. Me? You want little old me to testify? Get out. (laughs) Seems that Richard supposedly did not only not pay the taxes on his winnings, but he was also on trial regarding the use of funds that was supposed to be for his charity Horizon Bound, and instead he was supposedly using said funds for his own personal use. But wait, don't touch that dial. (laughs) At the time of my subpoena, I was living in New York City, so the government paid for a train ticket and put me up in a hotel. And since it was around Mother's Day, my mom stayed with me at the iconic Biltmore Hotel in Providence. So while she went to get a Mother's Day massage, I went to court to testify about Ron's and my show and Richard Hatch. When I entered the courtroom, there was Richard, looking larger than life, And that was pretty large, considering he was a big boy and well over six feet tall. When he saw me, he gave me a warm smile, gave me a little Barbie-like wave and mouthed, hi, like I was there to have dinner with him instead of testifying against him. Can you say, awkward? But long story short, which for me is impossible, (laughs) I testified. And I remember being quite impressed that all the jurors and all the lawyers and the judge each had their own individual mini screens on stands right in front of them. I think there were even TV monitors in the corners of the courtroom, too, I guess to show evidence and stuff. So here I am on the stand, being sworn in, feeling like I'm a witness on law and order. And after about a half an hour of questioning, what did they show on all those mini screens? Yep, you guessed it. The picture of the humongous $25,000 check for Richard Hatch's charity held by a naked-looking Ron. The whole courtroom erupted in laughter. So that's my Rhode Island celebrity story. (laughs) Immediately after writing down my thoughts, in cursive, of course, in preparation for this Shaking the Bushes podcast, I went into the kitchen to prepare my dog's meal. Okay, sidebar. My dogs get three meals a day. The last one is usually late at night. Anyway, as I was chopping their food, 
Okay, sidebar, sidebar. It's raw, and I cook it just a bit, but the bones get brittle when cooked, so I have to be extra careful and chop their food till all the bones are gone so they don't swallow any sharp pieces and die. <sighs> okay, where was I? Oh, yes. I was chopping their food when I was thinking, how do I end this podcast? As my buddy, the late comedian Dan Rowan, used to always tell me, it's easy to start a story, but it's really hard to end one. And just like that, on the TV in my kitchen, the movie Love Story came on. I don't think I've seen it since it came out when I was a sophomore in high school. I was so in love with love, and I love that movie. And that music, to this day, that music makes me cry. And I was chopping away at like 2 in the morning, and that famous Love Story theme song came on, and all those memories came rushing back. And all of a sudden, who appears on the screen is Oliver, played by the absolutely adorable Ryan O'Neill, and his father, Oliver Barrett III. And I'm staring at the father, and as if a light bulb popped on over my head, I realized it was Ray Meland, the very same Ray Meland I had just written about who had touched my cheek all those years ago at the Warwick Musical Theater. I had not thought about that cheek touch by Ray Meland for decades, it was so long ago, I had to go through the alphabet to try and remember Ray Milan's name for this podcast. Do you ever do that? Like A, no, B, nope, C, um, nope. And here on the very same evening, I had stirred up that memory for this podcast. The same man pops up on my TV. My jaw dropped. It was so surreal. Just like meeting celebrities in Rhode Island. I have often walked down my New York City street before with my Yorkies in their classic fashions on lookers adore. All at once am I several stories high knowing I'm on the street where celebrities live or at least walk. Thanks for hanging out with me at Shaking the Bushes. You can learn more about me and my memoir called, wait for it, Shaking the Bushes at my website, elliemaguire.com. And thank you to the Warwick Public Library, where this podcast is recorded and where I've been a visitor since it opened back in 1965. Wait a minute. That's so weird since I'm only 39. Ha <laughs> ha. See you next time on Shaking the Bushes. <laughs>